May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I was reading an article about the upcoming Olympics, but mostly because they were interviewing Simone Biles, and I'm a fangirl of Simone Biles. I mean, uh, what's not to love about um, our amazing, extraordinary Houstonian? A gymnast of incredible talent, dedication, a voice for um, those who've been abused, and uh, uh, just a wonderful, dedicated human being in many ways. And this article that I was reading, she said something kind of interesting, and that was, she said, they asked her, well, at the ripe old age of her early 20s, I can't remember exactly how old she is, maybe 23, something like that, anyway, was this going to be her last Olympics? And she said, well, usually in our sport, in gymnastics, people don't get better with age, but I do. <laughs> and she wasn't bragging, it's just the truth. She is getting better with age. Um, she keeps mastering these moves that are just phenomenal. So I had to laugh at her, you know, uh, confidence that could be misconstrued maybe as, as a little arrogance, but she's just claiming who she is. She's also claiming that things do not have to be the way they've always been. And that things don't even have to be the way they are right now. And I believe in many ways there's the connection with our holy scriptures. The prophet Jeremiah is giving a word of both judgment and hope. The Apostle Paul is giving a word, a beautiful word on reconciliation. You have to kind of get through the circumcision stuff and then get to the reconciliation stuff. And then, in the Gospel of Mark, you see people longing for connection, for touch, for healing, with Christ and they search him out even when he and his apostles try to rest in what someone described as the worst retreat ever because they were trying to get away and they just could not things don't have to be as they always are things don't have to be as they are right now we can plug into the vision of possibilities that God has dreams created, creates for us, God's people, that God wants for us, God's people. But we have to choose that because we are free. We are every generation. We have to choose the ways of God every year, every week, every day, because it is our choice. Our God does not bully. Our God does not 
um, demand, well, he, when you talk about the prophets, he does demand, but he doesn't oblige. God gives us a choice. And often, God's people choose wrongly, wrongly. So the prophet Jeremiah is shining a light on the waywardness of God's people in the scriptures we hear today. And it reminds me of a song, a verse of a song I knew growing up, which was goodness, love, and mercy, humble though they be, are worth more than the mighty deeds of presidents and kings. Especially they're worth more if those mighty deeds of presidents and kings are not a righteousness, and in that I mean the way of justice and love and grace and mercy. And so our deeds, as humble as they be, if they are rooted in God's will for us, they're rooted in love and mercy and humility and kindness and all of the good stuff, then they are worth the mighty deeds, worth more than the mighty deeds of presidents and kings. And so Jeremiah speaks a word of judgment for God's people in the scripture today, but judgment, prophecy that stays at judgment is unfinished because prophecy ends or continues or is nurtured the judgment and prophecy is nurtured in hope, is nurtured in the vision of God for us, is nurtured in God's will and way and the fulfillment of God's holiness. And so Jeremiah ends with hope. Throughout these scriptures, we get judgment, we get hope, we get reconciliation, and we get healing. The judgment that leads to divisiveness and destruction of the innocent is not prophetic judgment. Judgment that leads to transformation and fullness of life, that is God's message. And so we get to Ephesians and the Apostle Paul. When he talks about those who were near and those who were far off are now one in the household of God. In the household of God, which is an amplified household. It's a big family that doesn't stay within the church, but connects in our communities, in our workplaces, in our places where we serve, in our neighborhoods. And the Apostle Paul speaks about reconciliation so beautifully as God's way. And that reconciliation is those who are strangers now belong to our household. Those who were far off are now near. 
Those who without mercy now have mercy. Those who were without God as Abba Father now have God as Abba Father. And there's not one more belonging than the other. We belong to the same household of God. Reconciliation is a form of healing the divides and the fear and the hate that divide us still, not just back then. Again, every generation, every year, every week, every day, we have to choose because we have the choice that God has given us. We have to recommit to the good. I was reading a study from, um, I'm just going to make sure I get the name of it right, the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. And they did an analysis of the folks who uh, took over the Capitol in January. And they're learning more and more about these folks. And they're not all extremists. They are people with good income, middle class, uh, middle-aged. And yet what drives them more than anything, proven in these studies, discovered in these studies, which may not be shocking, but it, it just reminded me about how we choose division. So what, what drives them is that great replacement theory. Many folks come from uh, multicultural cities and these comfortable, middle-aged white people fear that they are going to lose some kind of privilege. And that fear festers as our nation becomes more and more colorful, multi-hued, truthful about our past. And that fear festers and becomes hatred. I remembered um, an album that I loved so much in the 1990s. It was, this isn't new. This is, this, the album was Fear of a Black Planet. And, and the old school hip hopper <laughs> that was rapping just talked about, I don't have a gun. All I have are my genes and my chromosomes and my color. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Reconciliation is an overcoming of fear, and reconciliation is an encounter with the truth, and reconciliation is a form of healing 
which is what Christ did when he transformed the evil, defeated the evil on the cross and overcame the hate that nailed him there to leave a legacy of love and mercy. I found this quote from Bishop Desmond Tutu with which I will end. If I can find it in my papers. He said, God saw our brokenness and sought to extricate us from it, but only with our cooperation. God will not cajole or bully us, but wants to woo us for our own sakes. We might say that the Bible is a story of God's attempt to effect atonement, to bring us back to our intended condition of relatedness. God was, in Christ, reconciling the world to God. God sent Jesus, who would fling out his arms on the cross as if to embrace us. God wants us to draw, God wants to draw us back into an intimate relationship. And so bring to unity all that has become disunited. This was God's intention from the beginning. And each of us is called to be an ally of God in this work of justice and reconciliation. And so in the words attributed to St. Francis, for all of us, inside and outside, near and far, as part of the household of God, let us pray this week to be made instruments of God's peace by speaking a word of truth, by acting in hope, by choosing reconciliation, and receiving healing. Amen.